And it's episode 26 of the Rocktown Sports Pod, Rockingham County's only all-local sports podcast. Again, that's a gratuitous (laughs) plug. We've been bringing the football coaches in from the city county over the past few weeks. Joining us today is Chris Fraser from Turner Ashby, entering his third year at TA. He's gone 2-8 in 2017 and 2018, slowly trying to rebuild something out there. Uh, Chris, first of all, thanks for joining us, and how has the offseason been going for you guys? Well, thank you for having me. It's, it's been going good. We've had a good summer, um, and you know, like all the other schools around here, our athletes all play multiple sports, which is what we encourage, so that, that's probably the toughest thing is consistently getting the large numbers in the weight room, but I would honestly rather have them play another sport. You know, a lot of ours are baseball players, which is great. Um, And then the other large group runs track, which is a huge benefit to us. And, you know, our track program is so good. And, well, and you know about our baseball program. So not only do they learn how to compete, they're part of winning programs there. So um, once the summer came around, our our numbers have been good and, and the kids worked hard. And, um, you know, we have a really good core of seniors that have led the way, and, and we're excited about that. It's their third year in, in my program, and they know what to expect. So um, they've taken on the leadership role. And um, matter of fact, we were supposed to be off this week, and um, C.J. Haskins came to me last Thursday and he said, can we come in and lift if we want? So, you know, we had like 15 there last night just on their own. Um, and getting that work in instead of taking a break. So that says a lot to me. Let's go back to the C.J. Haskins. Uh, I mean, you provided us probably the, the first, uh, quote-unquote, big news of the offseason <laughs> when after losing Trey Gillenwater, transferred Eastern Mennonite High School, you know, two weeks before official practice starts, you come out and you say, hey, C.J. Haskins is going to be my starting quarterback. L- what's the, the mindset of leading up to that decision? Was him involved in the seven-on-seven camps leading the quarterback? Was it him just showing some good stuff during your off-season camps? Uh, you know, what led to you make that decision, you know, even before you guys break for, for, for official summer practice? Well, I think the thought process went, um, it started last winter when we started our off-season conditioning we we brought the guys in at six fifteen in the morning and so um, when I decided to turn our offense over to Richie Anderson uh, who's you know one of our strong assistant coaches and um, we had had several conversations we kind of heard rumors that that Trey was going to leave and um, we we wanted to do some things um, start putting a plan in place and so that basically happened back in January and and Richie and I talked quite a bit, and we were trying to figure out who would be best for us to lead our program to that next step. And, I mean, basically, we're, we weren't going to take Grant Swinehart out of the backfield. <laughs> um, so it's put one of your next best players in that position because it's that important. And everything just kept pointing to CJ. So it, it's been a, a plan that we've been working on for – you know, since January, and then so throughout the course of this spring, and and um, you know, I, I think we have one of the best quarterback coaches around, which is also our baseball coach Andrew mm-hmm. Armstrong. So, you know, he obviously works with him all spring um, with CJ playing baseball. So um, that's that's worked out good, and it's so it's been about a five or six month process with that. 
I was going to ask you about Grant Swanhart. I mean, last year I thought before his injury late in the year, he was, you know, if not the best, one of the best backs in the, in the Valley District. Um, just, you know, I know he's put in a lot of work. I know every time I see him, it feels like he's gotten a little bit bigger and gotten a little bit faster. What are you kind of expecting out of him this year? How much of a load is he going to carry for you guys? Well, we um, – and, and I think Grant's going to have a great year. He's just – he and CJ and, and, and the rest of that group have worked so hard. So – um, I, I think he's going to have a huge year. You know, we have to be smart as coaches to put him in a position to keep him healthy. You know, last year, I just remember back to um, when we played Rockbridge at, at JMU, and, um, you know, a handful of those kids were just exhausted at the end of the game. And, mm-hmm. you know, he carried the ball like 30 times and played every snap on defense. And it's really not fair to him. So we've come up with a plan. You know, I've talked to Grant, and we spent a lot of time in the off season where he's going to get limited snaps on defense, and but he's going to carry the load on the offense. Mm-hmm. There's no question about that. But I, I really think he's one of the best backs in the area, and and you know we've we've had a lot of conversations this summer about him doing his part to preserve himself. Like you know, I told him a couple weeks ago, I said it's okay to run out of bounds sometimes, <laughs> or it's okay to not twist and try to get that extra yard, just go down. Right. You know, we, we need you throughout. We, we expect to go to the playoffs, and we need you late in the season. So, you know, it's a little and, – and, and, you know, for him, bless him, he's, he's trying to get everything he can out of every play. But, um, you know, in the big scheme, that's, that, that extra half a yard's not going to be a make or break for the season. How tough is that to teach a kid that? I mean, especially someone like Grant, who's pretty, you know, it's a one-track mind. Get the yards, get the yards, get the yards. I mean, they <laughs> they got to learn at some point that it's sometimes you got to give yourself that break and run out of bounds, like you said. I mean, but how tough is it to teach a kid that whose motor is just built one way? Well, and it, it is because that's so ingrained into get everything you can out of it. And he he's such a competitor in basketball and in track. Um, so he only knows one speed. So we're going to have to work hard with that because it's it's going to be that that repetition and, and keep hearing that in the preseason. And and we're probably going to limit his snaps some in our scrimmages and, and benefit game and things like that because the plan is make sure he's 100% healthy and the longevity of the season um, to get ready for William Monroe. That's, that's the biggest thing. I know one of the biggest things that I took away when we talked about CJ last week was you, you said you guys were moving to the wing T offense, um, which has had a lot of success with other teams around this area, especially. Um, just kind of talk about what maybe led you guys to making that decision. What kind of was your thinking behind switching to that this year? Well, when I was hired, I came in here, and I've been a wing T person for a long time. And, and we kind of had an experiment gone bad last year with running <laughs> some tried, – tried to run some of the split-back veer stuff, which I got – from my coaching friends down at Lake Taylor when I was in Norfolk. I mean, Hank Sawyer's run that for years, and um, they've, they've just done really well. And it's so hard to defend against. And we just didn't, between our ability to coach it mm-hmm. and the guy's ability to pick it up and then, you know, not really having a quarterback that could do that. Um, you know, Tyler Quick could do it, but he was also one of our best running backs. So right. <laughs> we just decided – Probably at week 
seven or eight, I think it was a Ford game, we were going to go back to the wing tee, mm-hmm. and that's the direction. And that's what I got hired on. That was my sales pitch. Hey, <laughs> I'm a wing tee guy. And, you know, following it at um, Turner Ashby with Joe Taylor, and, you know, just everything's mm-hmm. about wing tee around there. So I kind of had to get back to my roots. And, and you know, Richie Anderson came through that system. And, and so it was just a great fit for everybody. In the wing tee, I, I feel like you need a lot of different – there's a lot of moving pieces. You need a lot of different kind of options at all times. Um, and, you know, you did lose some key pieces in Tyler Quick and, and Sam Quisenberry and some of those guys that we know from last year. But who are maybe some names that we haven't heard that you kind of expect that could step up this year outside of just Grant and CJ? See, I'm I'm telling you the our, – our secret weapons are our sophomores coming up. Okay. Because <laughs> those guys last year, that was a heck of a team, and they had an unfortunate situation um, about midway through the season. But, um, you know, Jalen Quintanilla and Sam Schickel and Dylan Eppard, um, we we have that group of sophomores is they are some super athletes, and, and we're excited about it. Um, you know, the question is how quickly are they going to be able to make that jump to – um, going from a JV game to a varsity game, um, uh, Nico Valet is coming yeah. back out. He he was a really good receiver and defensive back for us, mm-hmm. and um, so we've got some good players coming out and some good pieces around CJ and Grant. So, and then the other part of that is, um, I think we have at least two, probably three really good returning linemen mm-hmm. and, and maybe four in that that all have a lot of games under their belt. You know, you've you got a state champion and a national champion <laughs> with Jesse and um, Jack Rhodes, who's one of our strongest players. Um, so that's, that's going to be a huge plus for us. And I, I just think all those pieces, um, they all fit together really well. I was going to say, what has a, a kid like Jesse done for that program? Just, you know, now that he is a Division One, you know, commit, uh, I, I feel like that could just change the way things are approached. I mean, especially on a leadership level, what has he meant to the program just in terms of leadership and kind of providing a steady presence for you guys? Well, his work ethic, number one, and, and, and people, you know, people see Jesse around school, but also the recognition he gets through wrestling. And, and you know, to go to a top-notch, program like Virginia and wrestle that's huge for our whole community mm-hmm. and and so for our guys to be able to look up and say hey Jesse's my teammate or Jesse's my friend you know maybe I can do that too I think that's a great motivation now not everybody's six foot four or five <laughs> 285 pounds and and got a nasty streak to him but but you know he's from our community and and so I think that's a good motivation for our younger players. I know another thing you mentioned last week was the defensive changes. I know you said you were going to kind of take over that more this year. Um, and I know it was a struggle at times last year. Uh, what are maybe some of the things you're looking to do? or What was kind of your thinking process behind that as well? Well, the, the biggest thing is to simplify everything. And, and, I, and I'll be perfectly honest, and, and this is my third year, but – there, there has been a history of over the last seven or eight years, and our activities director Will Crockett keeps he's he's a stats guy, and but over the last eight years, our program has given up forty three points per game, and that's that's a tough pill to swallow because that's you're just not gonna you're gonna win two games a year, 
Now, you know, Coach Newman had some really good defenses there for a few years, but um, the biggest thing for us is, you know, a lot of times our it's the old paralysis by analysis. Our kids were, um, you know, had 10 things they had to think about, so they're, instead of reacting and just playing, they were frozen. Mm-hmm. And so we've just simplified everything, and and we've split our staff in half, so we have well, two and a half defensive coaches and two and a half offensive full-time coaches, you know, and Armstrong's the one that'll split. Um, but so it was a simplified. And then the other key to that is we really have some good young players coming up like that. Addison Simmons, who I didn't mention earlier, but Schickel and Eppard, those are all young guys. They came off that JV team. They're all, they look like clones of each other. They're tall, rangy. They love to hit. Um, they're a little nutty sometimes, but that's, that's a good thing. And, um, you know, sometimes we have to, you know, it's like calm down. And, um, but that's, that's the type we need. And, and so simplify it. And then we've, we've got a good group. And like I said, Jalen Quintanilla too, that he's been one of our stars in seven on seven as, as a sophomore. Mm-hmm. And, you know, his brother Coyce came through and was a really good football player and, right. and, um, baseball player and of course his cousin is Tyler Quick so uh, there's a good lineage there and so we're excited about having Jalen. You're listening to episode 26 of the Rocktown Sports Pod. I'm Jim Sacco, sports writer here at the Daily News Record joined by Cody Elliott our high school writer and in the studio today is Turner Ashby football coach Chris Fraser. Chris you, you in the Valley District you know where you're getting okay you're getting High flying from Rockbridge, you're getting equally high flying from Harrisonburg, you're getting an old NFC North 1985 defense out of Spotswood. Uh, you're getting maybe a little bit of an unknown with Broadway, with, with first year coach Danny Grog. You know they're going to be gritty. Broadway, at the very least, is always hard nosed and gritty. What are what would you say the Valley District is getting with Turner Ashby this year? Well, we're going to be competitive. That that's the thing. We're going to. We're not going to have 50 things we're going to try to do. We're going to have a handful of things we're going to do well. You know, we're going to, there's that old saying, the jack of all trades, master of none. We're going to master a few really good things and be fundamentally sound. And, you know, we want to be known um, for being physical. You know, before I got here, um, you know, Coach Tibbs down at Stanton High School in the house. Um, <laughs> He, he would always tell me they used to hate to play Turner Ashby because they knew they were getting beat up. And, and we need to get back to that. And I think we have that type of young person coming back up through the program. And, and so, you know, we're working hard on character development. And, but we want to be known as tough. And um, we, we, what we're not going to be is an easy out for anybody. I was going to say, when you're trying to bounce back from a couple of rough years like that, I feel like, you know, we've talked about trying to build that culture and, and kind of get other kids out. And I think it starts with the people who are already in the program. And you kind of mentioned a couple guys there, but just the overall view of the kids you have this year. I mean, how happy you've been with the, their work ethic and their ability to kind of pick up all these changes and, and the different things you guys are doing this year? Oh, I've been really excited with how hard they work. But I think, to be honest with you, most of the changes had to come from within me because you know, it took me probably a year, year and a half to realize I wasn't in Norfolk anymore. And, and we, I have to be smarter 
about dealing with our young people because they're not Norfolk type kids. So um, <laughs> instead of trying to change all them into what I had down there, it was better for me to change some things about the way I do and adapt to their environment and, you know, be a better leader um, in a lot of areas. And um, because they, our guys come from a different set of circumstances. So it is different. And, and once I was, and, and I've had some really good support around um, the area, you know, some great parents and in our administration. And, and um, so, so once that I had to, you know, kind of suck up my pride a little bit and take, you know, I've been coaching a long time, but so, you know, I just decided if, if I'm going to be a good coach and be successful here, I needed to make some changes. So, um, and I, everybody's bought into it. And, you know, fortunately we haven't really lost any players that, that we should have. And, and so I'm excited about the new direction our program's going in. And, um, it's, it's, it's going to be great for everybody. As you go into camp next week, I mean, you've got your quarterback position solidified. You've got your running back. Everybody knows that's Grant Swinehart. Um, you know, you mentioned some offensive linemen there. What, what are maybe just some of the biggest question marks or some of the things you kind of want to figure out and fine-tune before you guys open up the season in about a month? Well, we still have a couple linemen that, um, you know, and there's some there, – there'll be some competition there. That'll be good. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we've really got some – Guys that can play receiver and running back, you know, like Brandon Onestack and, and, and Nico Valet, like I uh, said earlier, and then the young guys coming up. So the good thing is there's a lot of competition, which we haven't had. But um, it's offensive line is going to be the biggest thing. It, it always is at the high yeah. school. Uh, offensive line and place kicker always seem to be the two <laughs> things we always we always hear about. Coach, one more question, and, and we'll thank you for coming in and let you go. Uh, I don't want to use the word scared because, you know, you're a football coach. You ain't scared. Uh, but is there a team in the Valley District that, and you can't answer yourself, uh, <laughs> you can't answer Turner Ashby, that gives you give, should give opposing coaches a, a pretty big cause for alarm when they meet on a Friday night or a Saturday if it just happens to take place at JMU to do, during the Shenandoah Valley Football Classic? Well, I just think um, Spotswood is going to be really good this year. And, you know, we have a healthy respect for them. And, and Coach Shiflett, I mean, he's worked really hard. And um, he's he's in a good cycle of players. And, you know, Harrisonburgs are going to be good. And, and Rockbridge, I don't – like I said earlier, we don't get any easy outs. But, um, you know, we're, we're, we're not going to be that pushover that we were. So And, and our thing is just going to have that confidence to be able to compete with everybody. So, but I, I think Spotswood's probably um, a one a, a 1A and then there's, you know, some 1Bs and then some level two type teams. So, awesome. Well, well, well Chris, we really appreciate you coming in. Uh, thank you for your time. And camp starts Monday for you guys? Monday, 4 30. All right. Well, good luck the rest of the way and, and hope you had a heck of a summer and we'll see you during the season. Thank you for having me. Well, once again, we'd like to thank Chris Fraser, uh, third-year uh, Turner Ashby football coach, for coming on in and joining us. Uh, got the late intro for us in there, Cody. I didn't tell you, who, I didn't tell the people who we were, uh, and so I had a break in there. But I mean, Cody, you, you've 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 dealt with Chris for once, one full season. Uh, it seems like 
you know, I don't know. I, I don't want to make I don't want to make the, the the hot take. I don't want to you know shake the crystal ball here. So let's just call it a lukewarm take, and not even a take. Let's just talk, call, call it an observance. It seems like he may he he may have figured things out. Yeah, I mean, I think that was the biggest thing that I took away just from talking to him just now was that he kind of admitted he said he had to make some changes within himself and within the way he coaches and. Um, you know, obviously, I think that's obvious when you, when you go from a school, you know, down in Norfolk where where they've probably got you know a lot of different athletes down there, and he and he comes down here to Turner Ashby. It's a it's a lot different crowd, and maybe and, you know he kind of said he he had to change from the way he does things, and he was openly or he was open about that, and I think that's the biggest thing. And you know, he, he Richie Anderson um, helping on the offensive side this year and, and taking over the the play calling duties. I think that's huge. Um, he he dates back. To back kind of the the vintage Turner Ashby days, um, he's been there since then. So that's that's a big thing. And then I think you know with him kind of taking over the defense this year, um, you know last year was actually Marquise Woodyard, the the former mm-hmm. basketball coach who did that. So um, Marquise obviously out of there. Chris um, taking over duties. He said he just wanted to keep it simple, which I think you know for a team like Turner Ashby when you've only won four games in the past two years, keeping it simple is probably the the most ideal way to kind of build back up and get back to a winning team and. Uh, it seems like he's ready to do so. And and for a, a guy who's been coaching for 37 years uh, to kind of, you know, look in the mirror at himself and not necessarily at the program as a whole, but as himself, I mean, say what you will. I mean, you, you, you kind of have to respect that a little bit, that maybe he realized there were some, some ways that he was used to coaching down in the 757 that just wasn't flying out here in, in you know, in Rockingham County. And, hey, I got to change my ways a little bit to maybe – get the 100% buy-in as opposed to the 90, 95% buy-in from, from, from his student athletes. And, and, you know, like it or not, just as important are the parents. I mean, you know, you, you, you kind of got to get the parents to want to buy in. So they're trusting their sons, uh, you know, with you and that you're going to treat them right. And, and, and so, I mean, it's, I guess, you know, good for him. It, it just seems like he's got to figure it out, but there's work to do. I mean, two and eight in his first two seasons, uh, over in Bridgewater, uh, you know that's four and sixteen total. I mean, I mean he's he's got a. I think he's you know I think he's eyeballing at least four wins this year. And I'm not I don't want to speak for him because he's not here right now. But I think that is pretty uh, is an attainable goal. Yeah, and I think if we kind of talked about it before we even went on air, if he can get to that four wins, even five wins there. That changes the the view and, and the perspective of that program completely. Um, it gets more kids in the hall interested. It gets more kids who maybe were leaning one way or the other, and they look down and they see a two-win team. They don't want to go play for that team. They see a four-win team that's right on the brink of, as we saw with Broadway last year, four wins. You know, five wins gets you almost into the playoffs now. So, you know, if they're right there on the brink like that, you would think that that obviously, you know, generates more interest within the school and, and obviously kind of puts up maybe – Gets this rebuild um, done a little faster, and, and and by no means am I am I pigeonholing him into four wins. I mean, you know, like he said, and, and I think you and I we're in agreement with them. It's like you know, Swinehart is one of the best running backs in the district. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, you know the move of C.J. Haskins to quarterback this early. You know, and like you said, it was a five six month process, but for him to establish that this early. Uh, you know, have him go run through all the the posts or all the preseason camps, all the seven on sevens, and then entering, you know, practice next week with literally zero question marks. Who's going to lead your offense? Because you know it's going to be C.J. Haskins going to be going to be taking the snaps, and you know, you know, when he's handing it off, you know who he's handing it off to. He's handing it off to Swinehart. Uh, 
that's a pretty. I mean, when you when you look at it, sans any you know mid any injuries that take place you know in practice or, or or during the early part of the season, that's a pretty that's a pretty formidable offense. Yeah, I mean, when you look at the wing T, in my opinion, you want a good quarterback who knows what he's doing. You want a good running back, obviously, and a running offense, and then you want some good offensive linemen. And they've got you know C.J. Haskins there, who's one of the better athletes in the area, and then you've got Grant Swinehart, who is arguably the best running back in the district, and then you've got Jesse Knight, who arguably is the best <laughs> offensive lineman in the district. So you put those three together, I think you're you're bound to have some some type of success, um, especially with all three of them being seniors. It, it, I had a laugh a little bit when he was t- talking about Jesse Knight, and he said, you know, in a little bit of a mean streak. Granted, uh, you know, when he said mean streak, granted, the only time you and I really talk to him is, you know, when he's, you know, after a game where he's either very happy or after a match, he's very happy, uh, or after a, a tough TA loss and maybe he's a little down. <laughs> we never, you know, thank uh, yeah, the God. Thank, see that yeah, thank the gods. I, I'm never on the receiving end of that mean streak. What is he? Six four, two eighty. I mean, he'd he'd ruin me if he got mad at me. Yeah, I mean, and that's the crazy part. We sat here last week and talked for a while about his his recruit or his commitment to UVA for wrestling. And but one thing everybody praised was his feet and how quick he is. And and it. it Truly is he has to be one of the, considered one of the best linemen in the area just because of that. Um, I think he could have easily have had a future in football as well. Let, let's shift gears. Uh, we're talking about commitments. You mentioned Jesse Knight, who, got, who we talked about him last week, committed to wrestle at University of Virginia over in Charlottesville last week. He is the, uh, the defending Class 3 uh, heavyweight state champion. Uh, another late last week, I believe it was Friday, uh, another big-time commitment uh, for the city county this time in girls basketball where Spotswood rising senior Stephanie Odekirk decided hey I got all these offers I'm gonna stay home and I'm gonna go play for JMU <laughs> what what a what a good get by 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 JMU women's basketball coach Sean O'Regan if not you know if not only for her talent she's a very talented player but for the very fact that her first year on the roster at James Madison, they're going to be playing in a brand new spanking arena, spanking new arena with someone in a, who formerly played for Spotswood on the roster. The women are filling that place. Let's be honest here. This is right up there when you know they, Kirby Burkholt, you know, uh, when the two Turner Ashby players right, uh, right. were, you know, were on the roster and going nuts in the CAA. I mean, this is in terms of. And not that they needed it, but I mean, in terms of extra added fan interest for the city county, goodness gracious, you know well, what, yeah, what yeah. to get. And you'll have Casey Irvine too as well, and and she'll be, I guess, into her sophomore junior year by then. So you're talking about maybe she's got an increased role in the team by then. And then Stephanie, with everything that that I, everything I've been hearing out of out of Chris Dotson, out of out of a lot of the AU coaches. Her game is taking it to taking to another whole another level this summer. Um, she's been playing with Team Takeover in AU, and they've they've had her playing a, a guard position. I mean, she's been guarding some of the best guards in the in the country on a on a nightly basis. And um, you know, as she played with four of the top sixty recruits in the country for her class, um, really probably had more offers coming. Um, but like you said, just decided to stay home. So I think you know. Chris Dotson kind of spoke to him. He, he called her a combination of Kirby Burkholder and Nikki Newman with the way her game is right now because she she can shoot a little bit from the outside now and play a little bit like that guard, but she's also got enough size where she can take it in the lane, um, where as opposed to when she was a freshman, she was you know simply a back-to-the-basket low-post player. So her game's really developing. 
I think this year could be something really special for her, um, considering how much you know they've said she's gotten better, how much she's improved, and now that she's got that that commitment out of the way and it can just kind of focus on um, it. It's kind of scary to think what she could accomplish this year. And, and easily the best handshake in the city county, number one. <laughs> uh, and number two, it, it's funny, in, in back-to-back weeks we're talking about local kids, uh, you know, committing to Division One programs. And, and, I, and I, I think it's funny and, and very telling that the two kids who have co- who have uh, committed to Division One programs, Turner Ashby wrestler Jesse Knight and, and Spotswood uh, women's girls basketball player Stephanie Odekirk, provided two of the most, in my opinion, endearing images, uh, photographs of the 2018-2019 mm-hmm. prep season. It, it was Jesse Knight. We ran it again. Him is you know head over his hands. You know, yes, look at me. Are you not entertained? I'm the state champion. And then I think. Stephanie Odekirk, the one where you can't see her face, the one where she actually, her back is to the camera and she's jumping into the the student section Mm -hmm. uh, after the state championship win at the Siegel Center in Richmond and just getting mobbed by her her friends, schoolmates that see her in the hallway and just the the smiles on those students' faces because, once again, you can't see Stephanie. You see the back of her head Mm -hmm. and just the pats on their back was just really, I think, what high school sports was all about. And it's just just to have both of them who provided those endearing images make their commitments in back-to-back weeks was just pretty cool, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, two kids that have obviously worked very hard to get to where they are um, and two kids who just seem to do it the right way. I mean, every every coach I've talked to, every player – um, you just hear nothing but great things, and and you see that about how many of their teammates and and their friends in the halls are also happy for them. Um, I talked to Mackenzie Freeze last week, and she, you know, she's in the process of getting recruited herself, but she couldn't just say enough good things about how happy she was for Stephanie and and to finally kind of fulfill that lifelong dream. I thought you were going to say I talked to. Mackenzie Freeze last week, and I just hung up the phone. <laughs> uh, she's part of the Daily News Record all first team interview team, isn't she? You she ask, is great. Ask one question, and ten minutes later, you're still holding the the, the digital auto recorder. Uh, let's switch gears once again. Stay with the high school sports, but let's just go straight to the volleyball court. One of those sports that kind of gets not here, but in general, sometimes gets lost in the football frenzy shuffle. Uh, Cody in. Uh, today's paper and today is uh tuesday uh you had this pretty neat article about players to watch on the courts in in, in the city county and you know I, I, i'm editor i read all the stories and uh every one of those names rung true to me i mean i have no arguments about any of those names being on there yeah i, I think one of the most intriguing names is adrian klein at eastern mennonite um you know in the same kind of sense, you know, Eastern Mennonite doesn't always necessarily get noticed as much maybe by some people because of them being a po- or a private school and not playing the city county teams as much. But Adrian Klein last year, I thought, really came on, um, led them to the to the semifinal, state semifinal. So I think this year, you know, you lose Sarah Gardner and Morgan Sterling, two of the better players last year from Spotswood. You lose Delaney Miller from Turner Ashby, um, Lexi Diaz from Broadway. Um, you know, just a lot of big Andrea Ostenkoski from uh, Harrisonburg. So a lot of big names kind of gone. Uh, you don't really know who's going to step up as that as the best player. Last year we knew Sarah Gardner was the best player. Everybody knew that in the area. And Adrian Klein is one that kind of is maybe a sleeper pick a little bit for me. I think she has a chance to have a really big year. Uh, I mean, I'm watching her as a sophomore last year was really impressive. And I think just seeing what she could do this year, taking her game to another level, will be will be interesting. And that team is no joke. They went to the Virginia Independent. Schools Athletic Association Division Three <laughs> semifinals. Uh, I and, and and I watched their uh, I believe their uh, their quarterfinal uh, of that. I was I covered that one, and 
as as impressed as I was with Adriana Klein, uh, she's a, she's one of those rock players where mm. you know she's super solid. She's not going to make any mistakes. Nothing's getting by her. But the one I was really impressed with is also on your list was more of a firecracker player, and mm-hmm. I'm probably going to butcher her last name was Sydney Litwiler, mm-hmm. uh, who just as a freshman last year was just skying and pockmarking the gym with craters. And like I said, where Adriana Klein is more of the solid rock, you know. Litweiler is like a firecracker, you know, a skyrocket. She just goes off every now and then and, and, and pops a few shots. I mean, they got a nice one-two combo over there. Yeah, you got those two. And then there's a lot of names that if you go through their roster, you know, uh, Abby Stapleton, Maya Farrell, some of the soccer players, you know, multi-sport athletes um, that all played really well last year. And I think just having so much returning this year after a run like they made, I mean, I think they're really primed for another big year as long as everything goes goes well. Um, and then, of course, East Rockingham, another team that I think in terms of when you look for who's ready for a deep run, it, it, you've got to think that team's ready for one um, with, with 10 seniors on that roster. Including another DNR all-interview first-teamer uh, <laughs> on, on, on that squad. That would be Michaela Jones, who's probably one of the, I mean, I mean, one of the most, no matter what she's doing, she's the most fun to watch. Absolutely. And I, and I think that's what I mentioned that in my, in my article was, you know, last year she was known for, for getting a lot of kills and kind of her high flying serves and, and all the energy she brought. I do think this year, while she's still, obviously they would love for her to still bring that energy. I think she'll be asked to do a little bit more in terms of an all around role um, where Brianna Folks kind of filled that last year as a senior and as the only senior on that team last year. So I think they'll kind of ask Michaela Jones to step up and do that a lot more this year. Um, it'll be interesting to kind of see how she responds. If I were to roll the dice and, and uh, you know on what team's going to be down in the Valley this year and, and it came up Spotswood, I mean, I don't think that's an insult, and maybe I wouldn't be surprised because they did lose a lot. Yeah, I, they, they lost a whole lot. I mean, you're not only talking about – you know, Sarah Gardner, the program's all-time kills leader, but then you're talking about Morgan Sterling, who was the program's all-time assist leader. Um, they had set pretty much every record known, you know, single game, single season, um, career, everything with, with kills and assists between those two. And then you also add in pieces like Christiane Burns, um, uh, Macy Clements, and, and a couple others. So they've got a tough a tough task there. Um, they do have some young talent coming back. Ellie Roach is one that I mentioned, who I think she'll, she'll have a big year with Sarah out. Um, but, yeah, they've, they've definitely got a very young team and, and are definitely in a little bit of a rebuild there. And the other side of that dice would probably be Harrisonburg, who has been young for a while and has been slowly creeping its way up the valley. Granted, you know, they're in a unenviable position that they're the only Class 5 school mm-hmm. in the city county. So, uh, But at the same point, I mean, they're automatically into the regions, and so they get an opportunity to make some quick noise right away. But, I mean, this is a team that has kind of really crawled up and – I mean, have people taken notice that this is a young squad maybe on the verge of the breakout year? Yeah, I think throughout the, the past few years under uh, Hannah Hannah Bowman, they've really started to kind of climb up, like you said. And uh, last year there was a lot of games where they played some of those top teams like Spotswood and Rockbridge, cutting them tough, and then they would lose in five sets or lose in four sets. I think this year they've got enough returning there, especially with, with players like Ja'Kai Brandon and, and Whitney Purcell and some other pieces there. Um, I think they've got enough there to make some significant noise. Like you said, they're in a tough position when it comes to the postseason just because of the Class 5. But in terms of the Valley District, I think in a year where a lot of teams are kind of in a rebuild, spots with Turner Ashby Broadway, I think Harrisburg maybe has a chance to make a jump there. Broadway, uh, Hannah Ferris, probably one of the best uh, uh, girls athletes in the city county in terms of just all-around skills. Uh, comes back. Uh, she had a heck of a year last year, uh, but 
they got a first-year coach. What does that do? I mean, you know, what does that do for them? Well, I think there's a lot of unknowns. I mean, you, you obviously don't know what a new coach is going to bring. Um, Emily Thomas in her first year. And then also another thing that's going to be big for Broadway is replacing Lexi Diaz because she f- did so much for that team a year ago. I mean, almost in every statistical category, she was in the top two or three. Um, she just played every single role, and she was a huge leader for them. So I think, you know, filling her leadership void um, will kind of be the biggest thing for them and how quick they can do that will, will kind of determine how, how much success they can have. Uh, and then finally, Cody, where does TA fall into all this? Another team that's kind of looking at a, a young group. They've got some key returners. Jordan Brittle, um, Avery Miller, um, Emma Eckert are among the names. Gabby Haskins, the younger sister of C.J. Haskins, is another one that, that had some big moments last year. Um, Landon Spots is another one. Again, all these names were really young last year, freshmen, sophomores that, that saw the f- – that saw the court but weren't quite ready going against the names like Sarah Gardner, Morgan Sterling, all these seniors. Now they're your older. Um, the rest of the district is kind of young. So they're a team, again, that I feel like is kind of on the brink of being right there. They could make a move up. They could be uh, make a move down. I think the Valley District as a whole is just – you know, kind of like baseball and softball was this past year. It's a very young district, and it really it, anybody could kind of emerge. It's going to take a couple weeks to figure that out. Uh, you're listening to the Rocktown Sports Pod. This is episode 26. I'm Jim Sacco, uh, joined by, as always, a high school sports writer here at the Daily News Record, Cody Elliott. Greg is not with us this week for a very good reason. Greg went down to Redskins camp today in in, uh, in Richmond to talk to former JMU standouts Jimmy Merlin and Andrew Anker. Uh So I don't know where where was he last week? Uh, was he off? Was he on vacation? <laughs> I don't remember where Greg was last week. Uh, but uh, that's neither here nor there. Uh, but he, I'm sure he'll be back in due time. But his conversations with Jimmy Moreland. Uh, and and the other JMU players down there uh, will be on the walkthrough podcast, uh, which I believe comes out on Thursdays. Cody, let's switch gears one last time. Uh, tonight, and it's Tuesdays, the Rockingham County Baseball League postseason begins. Uh, two games tonight before the meet really kicks in on Wednesday, and that's where we all, you know, all four of the quarterfinals will be going. The first two will be in game two. The other two will be in game one of the best of three set. Cody, tell us a little about the postseason and the RCBL, please. Well, like we've been saying all year, it's Clover Hill and everybody else. I mean, it's just with with the league this year, it's been very hard to figure out who can make a push, and I think it's hard to see a team sustaining any kind of run for as long as a postseason lasts in RCBL. I mean, you're talking about a three-game series, a five-game series, and a seven-game series. It's hard to see a team making a run last that long. I mean, you look throughout the year at, at different points, it seemed like every team had somehow got up to the second or third place spot. Um, I mean, I remember just a month ago, I wrote a story on Grottos and they were sitting at number two, and now they're suddenly in last place and facing Cleverhill in the first round. So, you know, New Market is obviously a team that I think is intriguing because they do have so much young talent there. They've got a lot of college players off Shenandoah um, playing for them this summer, and I think they've got a chance to maybe make a run. But when you look at Clover Hill, I mean, you're talking about a lot of veterans, a lot of, you know, grown men that are, that are compared to the rest of the league. There's a lot of, you know, college kids and high school players. Um, so I just think it's a different type of level um, that they're at. And when you combine the pitching and then you throw in the hitting – um, you, you've got guys like Tyler Bocock and, and Kevin Chandler and, and Corey Armitra and all these guys. Um, it, it's their league to lose this year. Uh, it'll, it'll take a very surprising run, um, a, a lot of upsets in order to happen for them not to win it, in my opinion. 
Well, Cody, uh, as always, thanks for joining us. Uh, you are the uh, the keystone to this Rocktown Ports Pod. <laughs> Sports Pod. I keep pronouncing everything wrong today. I, I swear I did have my two cups of coffee this morning. Uh, Greg, come back. We miss you. Uh, Cody, uh, you got a few exciting things planned for this football season. Uh, the big one, I guess, is we'll be online at some point Wednesday. That is the DNRFB, which is the hashtag you want to follow for City County Football uh, on Twitter. Uh you got the DNRFB mailbag. You got about six questions this week, but we you, you want more. How do people reach out to you? How do people get their questions answered? Yeah, I mean, uh, you can tweet me, um, you know, at Cody underscore DNR Sports. Uh, use the hashtag DNR Football Mailbag. Uh, send it to me on Facebook. Um, email it to me, Elliot at DNROnline.com. I don't care how you do it. Uh, just send me as many questions as you can. So. Fantastic. Hey, thanks again, everyone, for listening to episode 26 of the Rocktown Sports Pod. Uh, hopefully, we miss Greg, and hopefully he'll be back next week. We miss his soulful stylings. My voice does not cut it as well as his <laughs> voice. I'm sorry. My voice sounds like you're grating Parmesan cheese on a, uh, on a rusty grater. Uh, but that'll do it for us. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Have a good rest of the week.